Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Video Store Nightmares, the podcast where we discuss the strange, the bizarre, and the maternal films of the VHS era. Tonight, we're talking about a big one, a gore classic, and I would argue one of the best comedy horrors of all time, 1992's Dead Alive, also known as Brain Dead. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by Leland. Listeners, you can find 1992's Dead Alive on YouTube and probably like hundreds of other places. Uh, Luke, this is our sellout episode because this is probably the most mainstream thing we have ever covered. I mean, it really wasn't a mainstream film, and I don't even know if it's known in mainstream circles, but I know in horror, like in the horror community, this is a big deal. But do you do you, do you really think normal people know what Dead Alive is? Only because Peter Jackson has gone along to have a very popular career among modern moviegoers with Lord of the Rings, and so people who are really into Peter Jackson go back and look at his prior catalog and get exposed to things like Dead Alive. Yeah, but I think there's probably an overlap between people who like horror movies and people who like Lord of the Rings, and it excludes a lot of normal people. I think there's a good number of people who like went to see Lord of the Rings because it was popular and a big deal, and they were like, oh, that was cool, or that sucked, and they they have no idea who Peter Jackson is. You know, perspective is important. I guess when I say mainstream here, I'm saying mainstream for our standards. I will say this is one of the most distinctive memories I have of being a kid in the video store is one. I would always see this tape like it was always there in the multiple video stores we went to. And one of our video stores had a poster of it. And as a kid, I thought this cover with the woman stretching her lips open to reveal the skull. I thought this was horrifying. Like this disturbed me so badly as a kid. Now I look at it and I'm like, oh, that's really goofy. But when I was a kid, it was scary. And I guess it was mainstream enough to be like everywhere. What is with this poster? What What is that little skull doing in there? I don't know. The poster has nothing to do with the movie, but it's cool. I really like the poster. Yeah, this is definitely a po- um, this was definitely marketing material that was made probably at the same time this, this film was being produced. With absolutely no no context except, hey, this is a zombie movie. So if you're somehow unexposed and we have been ironically shaming you during this episode thus far, uh, this movie, Dead Alive, was the third film directed by Peter Jackson. The first one being Bad Taste, which is kind of like a campy gore fest like this, but much more amateurish. And then his second one was Meet the Feebles, the vulgar Muppet movie. And then he made this one. And then, of course, he would go on to direct huge blockbuster movies like Lord of the Rings. Um, But this was his love letter to horror, I think, and to physical comedy. Like, I think he was just like Sam Raimi. He's like a Three Stooges fan. He likes the physical, physically comedic aspect. And there's definitely a lot of that here. What was your first Peter Jackson film? This one. Oh, mine was The Frighteners. Uh, no, I didn't see that one until later in life. How do you feel I'm, about it? 
I have a feeling the CGI probably doesn't hold up. It's been a very long time since I've seen it. Yeah, it's been quite a long time since I've seen it, too. I remember not really caring for it, but I, I maybe on a, on a revisit, I would love it. I, I don't know. I can say out of all of Peter Jackson's career, including Lord of the Rings, I think this is his best crafted film. Yeah, this is the high point right here. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. <laughs> I mean... I don't just say that because I'm a horror nerd and like I like the buckets of blood and gore and I think this is a lot of fun. It's also because I I genuinely think this is a brilliantly crafted movie. It's it's a tight, short, simple plot, but all of the beats are there. The camera work is incredible. The editing is incredible. All of the craft is pulled off with a plum. Speaking of how this film is crafted, we should definitely talk about how this film was edited, specifically the at least three different versions. Yeah, so I watched the, the U.S. unrated version, which was the first version I ever saw, and I still think it's the best version. There's also a longer European cut, and then there's a shorter R-rated American version. I watched the 1992 complete uncut version, which is what you can find on YouTube. The only thing that's a little off-putting about it, you know how when you watch a movie has like that certain film quality that's touched up, it's nice, you, you want to send it to production. And yeah. then when you go to watch the deleted scenes, there is a very unpolished, like darker color palette to all the see the shots. It feels like somebody took those direct, those deleted scenes uh, real and just spliced it right into the main film. They may well have, but I think the movie was released uncut in Europe, which is kind of weird, especially in Great Britain, like who had the video nasties and was notorious for banning films or chopping films up. This movie, they thought it was so funny that they just allowed it to pass uncut. <laughs> I think part of it is because all the gore is in, um, I guess the way to put it, in good humor. Like, there's nothing malicious about what's going on. Also, none of the gore looks real. It looks really cool. It looks really fucking good, but it doesn't look real. It's like you're watching a cartoon. It's kind of like Evil Dead 2. Like... <sighs> I'm trying to think of how you can best describe the consistency of the blood. It's somewhere between, I guess it's basically different versions of watered down tomato sauce is what it really feels like. It in, especially in the scene where Timothy Baum is running and his feet are just slipping in the blood. It looks like canned tomatoes to me, but this movie has to set some sort of record for the most amount of fake blood. Undoubtedly. I don't think there's anything online that really tracks how much fake gore is used in horror films. But if there were, this would undoubtedly be the first of any film I've seen. So before we get into the story and play the trailer, I don't think we need to talk about Peter Jackson anymore. Like everyone knows who he is. But oddly, a lot of the cast and crew who I think are really, really talented really didn't have much of a career outside of this. Like, 
I think the music is fantastic. The music was done by a guy named Peter Desant or Descent, and uh, he only scored nine movies, and among them is Bananas and Pajamas. <laughs> Wait, that was a movie? I thought it was a TV show. A, a TV show, yeah. He did He did six episodes. I don't know how many there were, but... I'm not really sure how you can stretch Bananas and Pajamas for an hour and a half for like a feature length film. The most uh the most recent thing he's involved in is he does the music for a show called Play School, some sort of kids kids show. Um he's he's done that from 2001 to 2022. He is the pianist as well as the musical director. It, this is not a serious movie. It's not a serious musical score. Maybe the jump to children's media was a natural progression. I don't know. I yeah, the musical score is lighthearted, but I wouldn't say it's not serious. Like I think it's seriously good. I think it fits the movie really well. Oh, and it, I think it's edited it, in really well. It absolutely fits the film, but this movie is corny as fuck. True. <laughs> and then the other people I think do a really good job is the main cast. Like Timothy Balm who plays um Lionel I, I think is hysterically funny. Like, I think he's a great physical comedian. I don't think I could tell you any other film any of these actors have been in after this. They haven't been in a lot. Timothy Baum has been in the most. He's been in, I think, he's been in 31. But a lot of it is like TV shows or made for TV movies. It's really low budget stuff. I actually saw him in something else recently. I saw him in... um Olaf Ittenbach's movie, No Reason. He has a brief cameo in that, but he's almost unrecognizable. He has like spiky blonde surfer hair and he's speaking German, so it's hard to recognize him. Is He's not naturally a German actor, is he? No, I think he's naturally from New Zealand. Yeah, that's why I was thinking maybe I haven't seen most of these people in, or all of these people in anything else is because they're restricted to New Zealand cinema. And no, I'm pretty, he just didn't. I'm, I'm just pretty sure this is the only film I've ever seen from New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, I guess that. I mean, like the Lord of the Rings movies and stuff. Peter Jackson's other movies. Well, they were filmed in New Zealand, but they were bankrolled by Hollywood, like American True. studios. True. Um, now, the the woman who plays Paquita, her name is Diana Penalver, and or Penalver. I don't know. Uh, but she's been in 49 things, but most of them are Spanish. She was born in Spain in 1965. Uh, so she's Spanish, um, but she's been in quite a bit of stuff. The first time I saw uh, Dead Alive was probably in high school. And so it's been a very long time since I've seen this. And um, on rewatching it so much later, you know, my, one of my first questions was, is this girl actually like very foreign or is she playing a, a part? And I was surprised to find out that, yeah, she's a majority Spanish speaking actress and all of her filmography is almost exclusively Spanish cinema. I think there are a few moments where the character is pretending to speak worse English than she does. Like when she kind of tricks Lionel into asking her on a date to the zoo, she's kind of playing dumb. 
so it comes off as if she doesn't speak English that well, but the rest of the movie she does. Anyway, I also think Elizabeth Moody does a really good job. She plays Lionel's mother. Um, she hasn't had a long career or anything either. We see her very briefly in this film. Well, before she's covered in makeup. Yeah. Well, do you think that was still her or do you think they swapped him out for like a, you know, stun actor at that point? Because there's I thought so many prosthetics, it. you can't even tell. I thought about that. I think it's probably a mix of the two. I think there are some scenes, especially early on in her decomposition when it's still her. Oh, but, for sure. But I'm talking about, you know, after the formaldehyde. Flying through the air and all of that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's a stunt actor. But um, what do you think of her? I think she's one of the best, like, evil mothers ever. We still need you to come up with, like, a top 10 list. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Well, th she would be on it. Well, I'm I'm not like an evil mom enthusiast, but I would say that she does a, a good job of getting the audience to hate her very quickly. No, I think she's she's an iconic evil mom, uh, one for the books. So I don't I have a I have a cool um, Korean VHS release of this. I, I obviously can't read the back of the that box, but I'm going to read you the back of the DVD and then that'll stand for our, our summary before we start the trailer. Sound good? Sure. Throw out all your preconceptions about the limits of horror. A new standard has been set with Dead Alive, the mother of all horror films. On a quiet street in a small town, pure evil has come to stay. Lionel, an innocent young man, is forced to care for his domineering mother and finds the task a whole lot more demanding after she's bitten by the cursed Sumatran rat monkey. Passing the point of death, Lionel's mother sucks friends and family into her gruesome existence among the living dead, and Lionel is sent spiraling into a ghoulish nightmare. Now a crazed zombie, she soon infects enough people to make it difficult for Lionel still the faithful son, to keep neighbors from suspecting that something is terribly wrong. Pretty good summary. Yeah. Let's play the trailer, and then we'll talk about the story. On this picturesque block, in this manicured home, something evil... Something terrifying, something horrifying, is haunting Lionel. His mother. I thought I told you to spray this house. The place is infested with vermin. Although she was a little strict. Look at this dust. It's an inch thick. He never wished her any harm. You look after me. Until... <laughs> Your mother's dead, Lionel. Now, whatever mom's got... Who's your mother? ...has caught on with the neighbors. She's been bitten! You know what that means? You can pray. I kick ass for the Lord! You can plead. You can beg for mercy. Help! Someone! But nothing you can do will stop. Because how do you kill something that's already dead? Trimark Pictures.
Picture presents a modern masterpiece of horror. Your mother ain't a girl! Dead Alive. Party's over. so strange that this was marketed as like a straight horror film I, weird that they just didn't play into the strengths you know there are some movies like i think you and i actually watched the, the boneyard together that's the one with the giant killer poodle in it yes so like that movie was actually released with two different boxes one for the horror section of the video store and one for the comedy section and like if you have the tape the one box fits on top of the other box. So there's just one tape, but they could put the artwork in two different sections. That's what they should have done with this movie. That feels like some kind of experiment. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know of any other tapes that do that, but um, I'm sure there are some. Uh, this this should be thought of as a horror comedy for sure. And I mean, there are there are scenes that are just flat out physical comedy beginning to end, like the scene in the park. There's there's a lot of like 1920s like slapstick shit in this film, which I you know I suppose is appropriate because isn't this film supposed to take place in that that sort of time frame? Or yeah, like I, I think it's I think it tells us it's in the 50s. Oh God, I gotta look that up. I'm not sure. I know in the very beginning of the movie it shows you like a uh, uh, 1957. Okay. I'm probably speaking outside of my experience, but I'm pretty sure like uh, like that traditional Charlie Chaplin-esque physical comedy shit was probably out of vogue by then. Yeah, I think so. But like other horror directors have done this. I've referenced Evil Dead 2 several times, but they're obviously drawing from the same sort of inspiration. I think this movie bumps it up a notch. But so we do start in the 50s and we start on Skull Island, which, of course, is Peter Jackson's homage to King Kong. Um, And some New Zealanders are there to capture the famed Sumatran rat monkey. Do you think I've heard some people complain that this section of the movie is offensive? Who are some people? I, I've read it in reviews before, but I think this is so jokey and so satirical that it it can't be offensive. Like, I think he's obviously lampooning old movies like King Kong more than he's portraying native people as like savages. At best, this is culturally insensitive. I, I think it's pretty well done, honestly. Like the the natives i don't know if i uh see i don't know if i can say they're funny <laughs> uh but but they kind of are i just feel like for something to be offensive it has to be trying to take itself seriously the, the same scene that we see the natives try to uh reobtain the rat monkey the fucking New Zealander safari guy pulls out a a permit 
from written by some fucking government somewhere saying we have permission to take the monkey as if they are actually going to honor that like they understand the importance of that doc the supposed importance of that document right like how are you going to be offended by this it it is really ridiculous uh, but i think it really works it works it works on its own but it also works as a parody of those old 50s movies where they did go to the abandoned or they did go to the exotic island and um, interact with the savages who lived there. And like those movies were offensive. I don't think this is. It's too self-aware. Like, is this really worse than the opening scene to Raiders of the Lost Ark? No, no. If anything, I think Raiders is worse. Yeah. So I I think... I think Peter Jackson is safe here. <laughs> the Twitterverse can't hurt him. I mean, thinking back to the first time you watched this, did you th- did you think it was going to be serious when you went into it? God, that was so long ago. I don't remember. I, think I know that was the point where we were just watching a lot of obscure horror shit at the time. I... This was before Lord of the Rings even came out. Yeah, I. I thought it was going to be serious, but only because the box had scared me so much as a kid. I was like, oh, but this has to be horrifying. You know, it has this reputation for being so violent and gory. I I thought it was going to be uh, a real serious horror film, disturbing. But no, I was, um, I think, pleasantly surprised because there's lots of disturbing, violent movies. There's not many that uh, work comedically as well as this one does. I don't know about you, but I really appreciate when you have a zombie movie that doesn't follow the tried and true formula of like world. The world is ending. This is the apocalypse. Society cannot fight back against the plague. This is this is just really nice, self-contained. It's great. I mean, realistically, the main character should have died like five minutes into this film, but... I really appreciate that this is a zombie movie that doesn't follow the normal setting tropes. No, I totally agree. So in this movie, the Sumatran rat monkey is what causes the the zombie plague to begin. Um, what did you think of the rat monkey? I think it's incredible how far stop motion has come from the early 90s. The frame rate is so... but the frame rate the frame rate is just so inadequate compared to what we have nowadays and it's obviously because camera technology has gotten better if what was available now was available then this rat would look fucking seamless or just been made on a fucking computer but the model itself is really cool i see i don't know if i think it's intentionally outdated looking because they had better stop motion at this time. I mean, Rankin Bass had made entire movies in stop motion. And um, Tim Burton, I think, was already working on Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, they could have done better stop motion animation. I, I think it's meant to look clunky and silly. Well, one, Nightmare Before Christmas was one of the major uh, like technological generational leaps for stop motion. That's part of the reason why it was so beloved at the time. Um, not just because it was a good children's film, but because it was a technical marvel for its 
release. But if you look at something like um, Coneheads, which was released around the same year as this, um, there is a scene that involves, even just a few years after this, there's a scene at the end of that movie that's the, the climax that involves a giant alien fight in, a, in an arena. And the frame rate is just about the same. Well, I I don't think the outdated effect uh, worsens the movie at all. No, it doesn't it does, hurt it. it. It does not hurt the film. I just think it's incredible to see how far the tech has come. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. Um, I the so the story that's told to us by the zookeeper is that the these giant rats came off the slave ships and raped the tree monkeys, and thus was born the Sumatran rat monkey. How would you describe this thing? Well, first, that's probably the only grim, dark thing of the entire film, despite the fact that hundreds of people die and uh gallons of blood are spilled everywhere by by the time the credits are rolling what was the question (laughs) i said uh i said what did how would you describe the way this thing looks oh god i mean it it looks like a hairless rat with prehensile hands yeah it's a rat monkey like it's it looks exactly (laughs) what you would expect Except maybe it's kind of diseased. The first time we actually see this thing, it reaches into the cage next to it and steals an apple core from a regular monkey, punches it in the face and knocks it out, and then rips its arm off. (laughs) That's how badass this monkey is. I don't know if badass is the right right way to describe a homicidal rodent simian hybrid hey it feels like it's it it knows it's at the top of the food chain and it it acts like it it's not at the top of the food chain though it gets killed by a high heel shoe yeah so it it's about to learn a good lesson i don't think you learn very much if you're about to die in the process <laughs> i guess so yeah well, we're, i we're jumping all over the place I figured we would because everyone's seen this movie. Everyone knows the story. Um, well, I guess we could run it down real quick, right? Well, why don't we boy, talk? To- I mean, boy meets girl. Girl's very foreign. Um, <laughs> boy has a, a horrible mother dependence, maternal dependence. Um, and you know how these things go. Young love just gets interrupted through the spreading of a zombie plague. Yeah. See, you got the story right there. But let, so let's talk about the setup to what I think are my favorite scenes of the movie. And it's where our election comes in, right? This is part of our election theme and Lionel's abusive evil mother has, I don't know. Can you call her abusive? She's emotionally abusive, right? Um, yeah, I think you could say that because she's led, basically raised Lionel on a lie, like his entire life, that she's pretty manipulative, even discounting the events of this film. Yeah, manipulative for sure, right? 
I think she's abusive. I'll go yes. that far. She, okay, she is abusive. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that you were questioning that that was... Yo, the first time we see this woman, she opens a letter with a butcher knife and then waves it around while telling him what needs to be done around the house for chores. Uh-huh. Despite the fact that he apparently, um, you know, did these chores like two weeks earlier. Well, yeah, she wants him to mow the lawn, which has clearly just been mowed. <laughs> She's like, does this look like a well-maintained frontage? I think that's what she calls it. Yes. But she's she, the letter that she's opening is to uh, inform her that she's been elected the treasurer of the Wellington Ladies Welfare League, which is a very big deal, apparently, uh, to her. And she wants the house ready for the Mathesons, who I guess the woman is the president of this league. They're going to come visit her for lunch. But at this point, Vera, the the mother, has already been bitten by the rat monkey and wakes up infected. I think this whole sequence where she wakes up and they try to get ready for the Mathesons and then the dinner or the lunch scene, I think it's all brilliant. I love this. I think it's my favorite sequence of the movie. This is one of those stories where it highly plays on our common sense to know when to quit and then push beyond that to completely ignore all of the red flags all of the the neurons in your brain that are firing that say this is the worst idea imaginable this movie just makes those fears those uncertainties very real and plays them out in front of you i i feel like we have to to also mention that Overnight, you know, leading up to this this morning with the Mathesons, the wound on Vera's arm has exploded pus onto a, a portrait of her husband sitting on the, the bedside. And there's like this orb inside that's squishy and it kind of moves around on its own. This was the first time in the movie where you really see something like purely gross i think like the rat monkey is gross but the pus flying onto the picture is a new high <laughs> but so you know, this this whole scene like if you've seen this movie before and you're re-watching it there is a lot of um uh foreshadowing in a way right like with lionel mowing the grass there is a otherwise seemingly useless scene where as soon as he's done mowing the lawn, like he's pushing the mower, the camera is almost like embedded into the ground and the lawnmower blades go right over the camera before stopping. And normally it's like, why? Why is that there? But if you've seen the entire film, you know how it ends. It's just like a callback. Well, call forward? It's a call forward. But a callback because it's from your previous watch. That that's part of why I'm saying that the movie is so well constructed. Like we see the pus fly onto the the picture, and then like a scene later, we see her pull the bandage back, and we know what's going to happen because we just saw it. Then the pus explodes again into Mister Matheson's custard before he proceeds yeah, uh, to eat it. God, like the first time you see bodily fluids fly, I guess it's probably like oh wonderful not knowing that this is this is on the low end this the, the, the it just keeps going up from here 
Yo, okay, so pop quiz. You take your husband to a meeting uh, for your, you know, WLWL new treasury electee, I guess, post-election interview. I don't really know. And he's eating custard in front of you. Your husband is eating custard in front of you and you see a diseased woman's pus fly into it. Would you say something? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You would, would, you would tell your husband, Hey, a, there, there is some diseased pus in your custard. I think she's so repulsed at that point by all of the other things that have been happening that she's just numb. What about when uh, Vera's ear falls off into her custard and she proceeds to eat it? (laughs) (laughs) And then spits out the earring. (laughs) Ew, I don't want to eat that. (laughs) And to complete the visual, she has a triangle of skin on her cheek that's been glued in place because it stripped off earlier. Oh my God. All right. So I think part of the reason why this movie is so funny is because it's just full of so many horrible decisions. Like it's, it's a really a miracle that Lionel has made it this far in life, right? He should have died before this film. I feel like, (laughs) I feel like he's only this way because his mother has overly sheltered him. God. So yeah, she gets out of bed absolutely diseased and the fucking skin flap on there's a skin flap on her face that won't stay where it's supposed to like normal skin so he uses like rubber cement to put it in place you know there are um, super glue is actually in some first aid kits actually i don't know if that's the case anymore but it used to be because you could actually reattach skin briefly and it's non-toxic so you don't have to worry about it you know fucking up the body in any way but yo he uses our boy lionel here uses rubber cement yeah i <laughs> I, I don't even think it would work number one. Oh, it would work but what are the what are the after effects gonna be rubber cement takes like time to dry it's not like super glue where it immediately bonds I don't think it would work. I don't think her cheek would stick back up like that. Well, I guess you're right because the flap does come down during during dinner time. Dinner? Yeah. Is it dinner? It's lunch, lunch, I think. Hmm. I don't know. Brunch. But so so they get out there real fast. But we we also need to talk about um, Paquita. This is the this is the love interest of the film, um, who is Spanish and. I don't know. What did you think of their romance? Did you buy it? Was it believable? Well, the wonderful thing is we don't have to believe it because it's ordained by fate and it will happen regardless of how we feel. Do you think that that's Paquita's (laughs) feeling? Like, do you think Paquita's like, it doesn't matter if I like this guy or not, we're destined to be together. So I better suck it up. Is Shouldn't this be like the more racially insensitive part of the film that people uh, should be getting upset over? Because you have like this foreign girl who's overly attached to strange, esoteric, uh, uh, superstitious, like magic shit and determining how she should live the rest of her life. Well, 
so I don't think it's offensive for two reasons. One, like tarot cards and all that, as far as I know, are not like a stereotype of the Spanish. Like, I, I don't think it's a, a racial archetype or anything. But secondly, in this movie, the magical shit is real. It's actually correct. So <laughs> like that doesn't really suggest a primitive following of occult uh occult magics like it does work well i i think the implication here is clear but just to be on the safe side i'm gonna say that i obviously don't find any of this film offensive on any level but if you are the kind of person to be upset over the portrayal of fake natives in a fake island um being overly zealous about their wildlife being taken Perhaps this is the thing that they should be more upset over. There is a way in which she's different. And because she's different, she's portrayed as, I don't know, ignorant or backwards or something. But it's real subtle if it's there at all. I didn't really pick up on it. Right. All all the non-white people are very different and strange. It's scary. Actually, you know, I think the scariest pre- person in this whole film is probably the, the fucking zookeeper. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even in the film for like a minute. No. <laughs> but yeah. after, after that dinner scene, Paquita rushes over because her mom has seen in the tarot the forces of evil are allying themselves against Lionel. Um, but this is where her dog goes missing. The dog runs upstairs and she chases after it, but too late. It's been eaten. Not just th- eaten, like almost swallowed whole. I, yeah. Do you th- like Lionel proceeds to pull a shrunken, like wilted body out of her throat? Well, it's the tail. The tail's intact. And then at some point, the tail just ends. <laughs> Like right before the body. But she shrieks, your mother ate my dog. And his response is not all of it. Not all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Like that, that line sounds really cheesy talking about it, but I do think it works in the movie. I think it's really funny. Does all the movies intentional comedy work for you? Is there anything that doesn't where you're like, just think they missed um you know the scene that kind of that kind of didn't work for me was the baby stroller scene in the park just because it seemed like it was so so unnecessary (laughs) but this whole movie i guess is unnecessary well they had actually finished the movie but they did it under budget and they had some money left over and they used it to film the baby in the park scene but peter jackson claims that's his favorite scene in the movie and I do, I really like it too. I, I wouldn't want it out. No, I'm not saying take it out. But, yo, this man is literally punching a baby in the face in a public <laughs> park in front of multiple people and nobody says anything or tries to stop him. They just look disappointed. Maybe parenting in New Zealand is like fucking hardcore, but generally you can't get away with punching a baby in in the face in public (laughs) slamming him against the fucking metal pole of a swing set so if you have not seen this movie in lionel's defense this is a zombie mutant baby 
Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I maybe I'm just a sucker for dumb physical comedy, but it's the little touches that I think make the scene work so well. Like when we see the baby in the crib, he has barbed wire in front of it, which I thought was really funny. It gets out and he's like smacking it against poles. And um, he does a pretty good job of making it seem like he's actually wrestling with it. Oh, for sure. The whole thing is very well filmed and performed, but why would you do this? And why, I don't know why Lionel would do anything he does in this movie. If I have a complaint about the movie, it's that his decision making is entirely inscrutable. I have no idea why. But also, what would you do if your mother turned into a zombie and, uh, you know, She's just a zombie. Who do you contact? What authorities do you go to? I mean, I would call 911 and have her taken away in an ambulance and let the medical professionals try to figure it out. I think that's the logical thing. Yeah. Do we really have faith in the U.S. system for that? I mean, you, I'm not saying... Zomb- that... Hey, do you think zombification is covered under American healthcare insurance? No. No, not at all. You're going to put yourself in debt if you do that. I totally understand Lionel's viewpoint. Mm. Keep her in the basement. Prolong this for as long as possible. Well, to go back to the... Before we leave the scene in the park, <laughs> I love that as he's punching and smacking the baby, the, there's these women who are looking on horrified, but this bum cheers him on. Oh, uh, yeah, the bum does cheer him on. He's like, yeah! Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Fucking baby had it coming. <laughs> yeah, so his his mom turns into a full blown zombie after the dinner, after after she eats the dog. I think at that point her life signs go down to the point where she is technically not alive. I was gonna say brain dead, but that doesn't make sense because that means you still have vitals. <laughs> what is this title? <laughs> It's dead alive. It's also brain dead. Right. Well, I think dead alive is the better title. Dead alive is the better title. Yeah. I guess so she is now dead alive. There's an at-home nurse that comes to to take care of uh, Lionel's mom every now and then. And so, of course, she's called to come deal with this. And during, during the uh, examination, she is killed very gruesomely. Um, this is where we kind of discover these zombies have super strength when the plot necessitates it. Um, by sh- she like comes up behind the nurse and shoves her fingers into her cheek skin and just manages to pull her entire head back um, for a partial decapitation. And this is a really cool visual gag that lasts throughout the film for this nurse character where the head will just flop over up full blown upside down 180 um while trying to to do normal zombie shit and it makes this amazing noise the <laughs> windpipe makes this amazing noise of like air sucking and pushing out <laughs> yeah it's like a gurgling noise as <laughs> i think it's probably what you would actually hear that first scene where first of all i don't think they have super strength i think it's that bodies in this film for whatever reason are super malleable you can just like shove your hands in them because 
the the zombies as well sometimes they they fall off the the second floor and they land on the in the middle of the foyer or whatever that is and just explode on impact so bodies don't have a lot of integrity in this movie but anyway um that scene where she first pulls her head back and the blood splurts out of the neck is so good it's so good. It's 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 filmed brilliantly. And on top of the the brilliant gore and like the humor that's there, you have Paquita upstairs trying to figure out which toothbrush is the mom's and like yelling what toothbrush. And instead of yelling for help, Lionel tries to respond with what toothbrush it is. And this is basically the rest of the film where you have Lionel trying to cover up the zombie epidemic. Which you, so, you have to imagine, he doesn't understand why any of this is going on, right? There's no way he could, you know, understand that what's happening to his mom is as the result of this rat monkey bite. As far as he knows, she just woke up sick one day and uh, this, this just happened. But he doesn't I, question it. I mean, that may be true, but I just find it impossible to understand or identify with his decision-making process. Like I would have at least told Paquita, like she's right there asking like, what's going on? What's wrong? And you just had this insane experience where two dead people were trying to attack you. Like, why not just tell her what's going on? I mean, this guy isn't exactly the most socially competent man in New Zealand, right? No, he's very frustrating. And there is kind of like a trope where, You'll have a you'll have a guy who has a, a a woman or someone else that's it's really into them and they're just completely oblivious to it, like despite all obvious a- exterior factors. Maybe he was just trying to. Maybe he just he did not pick up on that, and was just trying to cover this as much as possible. Yeah. Maybe he has an aversion to authority. Right, because he spent his entire life under his mom's dominating thumb, that his entire survival mechanism in life is to just stay out of the limelight. I don't know. This guy allows his his relationship to be ruined, his uncle to blackmail him into giving up his inheritance and the house, all so that he can cover up this thing that's happening totally beyond his control that he could just tell somebody about is it's it's the only you know for the most part i feel like this movie the plot is an excuse to set up funny scenes a funny and gory scenes right and so it doesn't matter very much but this is the one thing that i struggle to believe and when i'm watching the movie it's actually frustrating because i'm like just tell somebody what's going on then the movie would be over no or or hear me out the rest of this movie would have played out like every other zombie film where one person gets bit at the hospital they bite someone else it spreads into a epidemic and new zealand has to be cordoned off from the rest of the world like imagine (laughs) this movie could have worked if he just told paquita nobody else just paquita you could have made it work this movie's all about making the audience feel awkward, man. Maybe you can't, I just... have, the ro- you can't have the romance play out like one like one to one. You have to make it a struggle. 
It's all about frustrating the, the audience. I don't know why. I hate it. Four stars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, overall, I think I think this movie... I guess what I'm saying is this movie succeeds despite of that, not because of it. Maybe you're just not comfortable with the fact that it works, but you, you can't argue with the results. You don't like the process, but you like where it ends up in the end. Uh, perhaps. Let's go through the rest of the characters. Let's talk about the preacher. What do you think of this guy? Nowadays, this kind of humor is a little outdated. But for early 90s, this was probably pretty off the wall. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right that this this is outdated or it's overdone. Let's put it that way. But I think one of the reasons it's overdone and it's become so cliched and repetitive is because of the success of this movie. Which is not mainstream, by the way. No, I don't think it. I think <laughs> I think that a lot of the people who are making horror movies now, especially low budget horror movies now, grew up on Evil Dead and Dead Alive and Return of the Living Dead and the other sort of self-aware, ironic, humorous zombie movies. And I think that that really informed the kinds of movies they make. I don't think it's so much a, a cultural phenomenon as it is like horror nerds or the people making movies and they're just out of fresh ideas. So this movie is mainstream to important people. <laughs> sure. I'll go with that. Okay. But we meet the preacher during the funeral and he really comes into his own um, afterwards because Lionel sneaks into the graveyard to dig up the bodies so that he can sedate them because they have to be sedated with tranquilizers every so often. See, this we should have started with that, right? The, the fucking tranquilizer. This is so important to the plot. Yeah, what did you think of the vet? The Nazi vet? <laughs> if you're watching this on YouTube, it's kind of difficult to understand the last line this guy makes. And uh, YouTube can't tell what it is either. But I think... So first off, the entire reason Lionel's at the vet is so that he can uh, buy tranquilizers under the table. So naturally, he finds a Nazi doctor who is uh, freely available to sell this shit. And he's, he's, he's gross. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. He, he drools. I think, is he even a vet? Isn't he doing taxidermy? He says he's not a doctor. He's not a doctor. Well, vets are doctors. So I have a feeling this guy, oh, maybe he's tranquilizing pets to kill them to taxidermy them. I don't know. I don't think this guy's a vet. I definitely don't think he's licensed. <laughs> yes, he's definitely not licensed. But uh, the last line after L Lionel buys the very large anonymous, anonymously branded jug of tranquilizer. <laughs> There's no branding on it. Um, he's like, do you need a syringe or do you prefer to sniff? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's what he says. I he remember. He says it in a thick German accent while drooling. It's really hard to tell what he's saying by the end. This man gets very excited by tranquilizer, I suppose. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, unless he's already fucking on the shit by the time Lionel shows up. But why would you sell part of your stash? Uh, maybe it's a, you know, pouring it into those bottles. You just inhale the fumes. Hmm. Maybe he, no, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, okay, so let's say you sell part of your tranquilizer stash for a significantly larger portion than what you paid for it. You know, that's a good investment. You can sure. use that to buy more tranquilizer. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to get addicted to your product, though, Leland. Yeah, he's he's well beyond that. The wire taught me that. <laughs> I don't think you need the wire for that, but it's yeah. Well, so he's in the graveyard ready to dig up the bodies so that Yo, he can tranquilize them. You know, this is another one of those bad decisions. If he had just left her underground, wouldn't she have just been trapped there the entire time? I mean, he could know that she's like super strong and would be able to dig her way out. But even if like even if that happened, it's not your problem. Let the police handle it. She's obviously a mutant zombie now. I don't know. I have a hard time. The problem with that line of thinking is that by the time anyone discovers that she has, you know, arisen as some sort of strange previously unseen abomination that can spread pestilence it's in the middle of the night likely and who knows how many victims she would have before the proper authorities would even take notice and then of course that's when the natural zombie apocalypse happens and new zealand has to be cordoned off from the rest of the world well lionel's solution doesn't work much better especially since he is interrupted by are they grave robbers or are they just kids hanging out in the graveyard drinking? I think they're just punks hanging out in the graveyard. Yeah. But uh, we get the great line where one of them is is pissing on the grave and Lionel says, that's my mother you're pissing on. And that's when kicked in the ribs. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when the preacher shows up. I which, by the way, I love the way the zombies move, especially in this scene. Like, they're really jerky. It's like their limbs are spasming. It, it, this has one of the best moving zombies of any movie, I think. It's appropriate for the tone. Yeah, what did you think of the preacher? Did you think he was cool or too cheesy? or? I what? think he was probably great for the time. But like I said, dated in a modern age. I mean, I know when I was a teenager and I saw this for the first time, I thought he was cool. I thought I thought when he says, I kick ass for the Lord, that that was really funny. But I don't know that I would now. I think it's because back then it was still atypical to see priests outside of their normal functioning roles, even in pop culture. Like, right, you either had like, that you have the modern priests who are supposed to be good people, or you have like the fucking battle popes of the dark ages who were just like differently branded warlords. And that was the the, the dichotomy, right? But like yeah. nowadays, you know, the decline of religion and like the mainstream, we're, we're way more open to, to having so like religious parodies. We now know that there's a lot of crimes committed by the, for example, the Catholic Church. I think it's it's just like a lot easier to try to imagine religious like like icons and roles outside of their normal like intended purpose. That may be. Maybe I'm looking way too much into it. Yeah. 
perhaps, but it wouldn't be the first time. Let me ask you a question. How do you think Lionel gets all of these people back to his house and into the basement? One at a time? We don't do we even see him drive a car ever? No. The only kind of transportation we see throughout this film is a bunch of trolleys. And dude, they look so fake. They do look fake. Dude, they look like Mr. Rogers neighborhood trolleys. And they do. I swear to God, some of them have to be models. I mean, there there are the real things, but even the real ones are so tiny and they just don't look like they should function. They're like little toy, large toys. They look like really large toys. No, I totally agree. And the that's the only way we see Lionel get around during the movies is during the movie is riding on the the trolley. So I have no idea how he gets these bodies from the graveyard to his house and by the way i've never thought about this before it's never (laughs) bothered me before the only reason i even noticed is like when i'm preparing for the podcast i really pay attention to stuff like that like i'm paying attention to things that ordinarily i would just gloss over but yeah i don't know how that wait we see him drive to the cemetery do we yeah we do he has like a beetle he pulls the shovel out of the trunk and he fits all those people in it? I suppose we have to assume he is a good stacker. He stacks those bodies nice. But, okay, let's look at it this way, right? The only reason the mother is in this situation to begin with is because she leaves the house looking for Lionel, right? And so then at that point, Lionel has to, like, secretly tranquilize her before everybody shows up. And, uh, and and then everyone's like, oh, my God, she's dead because she got hit by a trolley, right? The nurse never leaves the, the basement in this scenario. And I think the only other there's only two more people added to the to the bunch, which is the, the main leader, the main punk who has his junk ripped off by the mom and then has his like entire chest cavity emptied. <laughs> yeah. And, and then uh, the priest. Because all of the other punks, even if they did get zombified, they got like dismembered. And uh, as far as we know, they died. Right? Yeah, it seems like if you get totally dismembered, you sometimes die. Which is on par with the beginning of the film where you have the guys going, Zendaya! And then uh, chopping (laughs) off every limb that has the infection on it. Which really kind of means that if Lionel had uh, chopped off his mom's arm after the zoo. She would have been fine. Maybe. But they, you know, New Zealand's medical knowledge is not that advanced. See, <laughs> they, didn't they didn't know how to treat. He, well, maybe the doctors could have figured that out if he took her to an emergency room instead of the house. Perhaps. They'd be like, oh my God, the Sumatran rat monkey. But that's why you don't ignore indigenous knowledge. They know shit. Gotta listen. But somehow he gets them all back to the house. How do you like the scene where he tries to feed them all porridge or whatever that is? It's eggs. It's scrambled eggs. Eggs. I think. Maybe. It's something yellow and lumpy. I'm pretty sure it's bowls of scrambled eggs. Well, he... (laughs) (laughs) He is trying to get them to all sit around the table and eat. 
whatever this is. And they run into a multitude of problems. Yeah, uh, you know, having most of your neck severed makes it hard to swallow. So the nurse is having difficulty eating. Um, the punk zombie punctures the back of his skull with a spoon because he either because he has super strength or he's super fragile. Take your pick. Mom is mom. And then uh, he gets interrupted. Lionel gets interrupted in the middle of it. And then after he leaves the room, the priest and the nurse fuck on the table. <laughs> is this the only movie with zombie sex in it? It's certainly the first. Well, this is the first movie I've seen where a zombie has given birth, but it is certainly not the last. And is that? And you know what? It's not even the the first film on the podcast that we've covered where a a zombie has given birth, sort of. No, but in that movie, in Shattered Dead, I got the impression <laughs> that the that the child was conceived while she was alive. Yeah, but the actual the birth though was as a zombie um and in the dawn of the dead remake there is a pregnant woman who gets infected and then gives birth to an infected zombie baby <laughs> does she have sex Somehow. as a zombie though huh does she have sex as a zombie no no so i guess this is the first post zombie coitus to to delivery that that i i have seen yeah as far as i'm aware <laughs> i i haven't seen it anywhere and it's definitely the fastest gestation as well because it only takes like 24 hours for this baby to be born i just want to mention all of the zombies like the actors they found to portray the zombies did a really good job oh fantastic like, job these are the best zombies in any movie I've ever seen. The best acted zombies, I mean. Well, I think what helps is that this, again, this movie is not serious. So they probably had a lot of fun with it. Like, you know, they don't have to act like crazed meat murder hobos. No, but I think the humor is even harder to do well. And I think they do a really good job. Like, the the guy who plays the preacher before and after he becomes a zombie, he he's like really funny to me. The main uh the the punk zombie is his physical comedy is almost as good as Lionel's. Like he's just a very good performer. I, I really buy them as zombies, and they hurt. They make me laugh. What really helps sell these zombies outside of the actors' performances is that they take damage throughout the course of the film and it's added to plot continuity so for example after the two zombies fuck on the table and lionel is separating them the nurse has the priest's lips like stuck in her teeth and she rips them off and so then for the rest of the film the priest zombie has absolutely no skin or lips or anything or like under his nose just nothing. It's just open grin the entire movie. And every zombie has this. Yeah, my favorite is there's a point where Lionel throws like a ceramic bird on the wall at the nurse's head and it's embedded in her forehead and it stays there the rest of the movie. 
I really like how this movie uh, foregoes. Oh my God! Shoot them in the head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's in a country where no one has guns. Oh, you're right. Yeah, mm. it's a big difference. Man, you need a lot of ceramic birds if if you want that strategy to work. Yeah. <laughs> no. What? Um. So let's talk about some of the zombies that stood out then, because um, we've talked about the priest and the and the punk zombie and the nurse. Uh. What were some of your other favorite zombies? All right. So um, if miraculously you have not seen this film, uh, this movie eventually comes to a head where Lionel's uncle extorts him for blackmail because he finds out he's keeping corpses in the basement, although he's not really concerned with the fact they're potentially zombies or undead. Maybe he doesn't even know their bodies. Maybe just he just knows there's people being kept in the basement. Either way, um, Lionel's a pushover. He immediately <laughs> consents to signing over the house and all the money and whatever. And uh, naturally, the uncle throws a gigantic fucking party with hundreds of people. So obviously, um, somebody gets out of the basement, spreads the virus. Everyone gets infected by the end of this. God, how long is this climax? Like, you think the movie is going to be ending soon. And then this party happens, and it's probably the last 40 minutes of the film. Yeah. I think it's about uh, a third of the movie. Which but, is really unprecedented, right? Like, that is insane. It's you're, gotta the, be. The climax of your film is a third of the movie. I, I do have a logistical question, though. Like, his uncle, Les, does not seem like the kind of guy who would be popular how do he get all these people to come party with him like he seems like a he looks gross he behaves gross like who wants to be this guy's friend dude it's the 90s free alcohol was a fucking pass well hey the movie's supposed to be taking place in the 50s well hey in the 50s alcohol was a free pass <laughs> All right. I also, it so. was probably harder to meet people back then. So if there was a party, maybe you really just took advantage of it. I don't know. These aren't really like young people either. They're like adults. Yeah. So they have to get out of the house. This is the only way they'll ever meet somebody outside of work. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you're talking about favorite zombies. Um, yeah. So, we end so up with because... a lot of them to choose from. Yeah, so because hundreds of people here are infected, the opportunity for a significant amount of, um, gosh, uh, exhibition is possible. Especially, how the fuck is this movie under budget? Like, the, the last 40 minutes is literally one giant action scene full of, I don't know, 800 gallons of fake blood? I, somehow it came in under budget. That, it, that is a miracle. Oh, and yeah, so obviously there's also a zombie baby running around. You know, though my least favorite is the baby. But I think, that's the, I think that's the point. The baby's not supposed to be likable. No, it's I obnoxious. Am, I am, I'm really partial to the bag of organs. Are you? I'm not. It's oh, my least favorite. I like the bag of organs. Um, there's a point where the punk zombie gets his entrails cut out and somehow they gain a sentience separate from him. Maybe it's like a starfish, you know? Maybe. 
maybe. And so it, it chases Lionel around the house in really strange ways. Um, I'm also partial to the head that slides around on the floor, the half the head. <laughs> it's still the head alive. That, the head that slides around on the floor is really well used. Like, because it's just it's just uh slipping from place to place to place and we follow it and so you get to see different zombie action in different locations as as this head gets kicked around i think it's really well done i like the girl who ends up with the light bulb in her face and she's stuck to the wall the scene where she dies is so well done I think what especially amazed me was the scene where she has come away from the wall. Lionel falls out of the ceiling and his foot is trapped in the electrical wire. And so when he falls, it yanks her back to the wall. I thought that was really clever. There's a really common camera trick in this film that's used really well where they have the real actor in a frame. And they immediately cut very quickly to a prosthetic for something horrible to happen to it. And she's one of those zombies where it's a real actress. She's her face is in the camera. And then suddenly you just see a giant arm come out from the back of her head through her mouth. And yeah, that, that's it's done an, so seamlessly. That's another special effect I wanted to mention that I think is really impressive is the hand through the mouth. And then I love that he, as he moves around, she's still hanging there. And uh, yeah, she's like jiggling around the whole time because she's zombified. Like a normal movie or, or like a slasher movie, like if this happened in a Friday the 13th movie, we would see the arm come through the face and then we'd cut away and that would be it. We wouldn't see the arm dragging the body behind it. Yeah, I mean, it's a little more obvious that it's a dummy when he starts dragging it away, but you don't care. You're not here for yeah. that. How do you like the guy with the garden gnome in his head? It's okay. Yeah. I, I like I, the idea more than I like how it actually looks. <laughs> Wait, isn't that the same guy whose head is sliding around on the floor? I, it might be. It might be. Once uh, they get separated, they behave as separate creatures. So, yeah, it's like a starfish. What do you think of the when the mother turns into the giant dragon monster? So, during the party before pandemonium breaks loose, there's a very touching scene where Lionel decides it's time to just euthanize his little basement full of fucked up zombies. And so he looks on a shelf and he picks up a jug that says poison and there's skull and crossbones on it and it's really touching how he takes his the syringes and he floats them up and he apologizes to his mom before injecting her and then this it is her cuts. goopy face yeah and then he kind of goes around to um to the baby but we don't see it any of that we don't we don't see lionel inject a baby zombie with poison <laughs> watch it cry itself to death but what we don't find out until a little bit later is that uh, he didn't inject just poison. Uh, he in, the, the bottle falls to the ground, I think, and, and comically rotates around to the other side of the label where it says animal stimulants. Animal stimulant, yeah. <laughs> Which, why is that in the basement? <laughs> I have no idea. They don't even have a pet. 
<laughs> Not that you would give your pet stimulants. Hey, who knows Why? what? Who what situation what? would you want to give your pet stimulants? Who knows what kind of shady shit Vera's been up to over the years? Oh, yeah. You think she's been juicing racehorses? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you know, they love horse racing in New Zealand. <laughs> anyway, that's a good question. I have no idea why it's there. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, since zombies are not people, they're animals, <laughs> they actually are... Uh, supercharged <laughs> they burst out of the ground with fucking studio lighting behind them <laughs> which is really silly but it didn't bother me i think it's i think it's fun it's totally fine yeah um so uh the rest of the oh, god before we even get to the mom man we gotta talk about the most iconic scene in this whole film which is how lionel mops this fucking party up yeah so First off, Lionel, who has been kind of like a wimp throughout the entire movie, suddenly becomes a badass upon, I think, learning his mother's secret. Um, oh, yes, his mother's secret. Does that, do you think it like liberates him to be a, a fucking man finally? Yeah, because he finds out that his. The whole stick is that Lionel's afraid of water because he was told his whole life that his father drowned trying to save him. And he probably has a lot of lifelong guilt because of that. You know, you inadvertently caused the death of a parent, even though it's not logical to blame yourself. You were a child. You know, that doesn't stop your brain from making you feel bad because, you know, chemicals suck. But it turns out that uh, Lionel's dad was just having an affair and Vera didn't appreciate it and drowned them both in a bathtub. Surprisingly, you know, by herself, she drowned two grown-ass adults in a bathtub at the same time. Hey, she was super strong. She was super strong. She was super strong even before she became a zombie. It took a fucking rat monkey to take that woman down. Yep. Nothing less than a rat monkey would have done it. And she's not, she's too strong to just be a simple zombie. She has to become a giant dragon zombie. How about dragon? It's more like a giant golem thing. Like a troll, maybe. I kind of pictured it as like, the like if she had continued to change, she would have ended up like one of the, the dinosaur creatures on Skull Island. Mm. Well, the dinosaur creatures on Skull Island are just dinosaurs. <laughs> no, but I mean, she would be some sort of weird hybrid, like a mutant. You know, her face, as her face does rot away, it does reveal like an animal skull. But I that's thought, what I'm saying. Yeah. I thought of that, about that more as like, what if that's like a giant rat skull? Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. I think it was actually, it looked more like a cow skull. Whatever. This is not the kind of continuity you're here for. You're here to see, you know, a zombie lose a limb and then it has that limb lost the entire film, the builds character. But no, his mom uh, comes out of the ground and uh, is rocking her titties out, giant stomach, big old booty. Like it's very, it's very direct. <laughs> <laughs> And what's incredible, you know, about this whole ending sequence, right, is we're introduced to this family house in the beginning, and it's a fucking house, right? 
and it looks like something a place where people would live like people have probably have lived here historically at some point and this is like an old house full of like priceless renovation and furniture and shit yep and then they just slop the entire scene the actual house with like 800 gallons of fake blood and then they have the mom burst through the fucking floor and walk around like they destroyed this assuming they were using a real house it is destroyed there's under I think budget. some of this under think, budget <laughs> this was under budget <laughs> i think some of this could be a set though so it's yeah some of it's camera trickery but like like the scene where the the mom is walking up the stairs to to catch Lionel yeah uh, like that's obviously camera fuckery but um there is still so much that happens in the actual house that just just fucking outstanding to me like there's no way you are cleaning all of that fake blood out of every single crevice of that like ornate wood paneling and like columns and shit all the way around the wall to this day if that house is being lived in or used for something you could probably like find some of that shit somewhere crusted Uh, yeah i'm not convinced it's all a real house during those scenes but regardless as i was watching this time i really did think about like how would you even begin to clean this i was (laughs) i was just trying to think what would you do first i have no idea make it someone else's problem i think that's the priority well it got that way we skipped it but it got that way because lionel goes uh i don't know what's the word he goes after the zombies with the lawnmower yeah, he goes after the zombies with the lawnmower from the beginning, and uh, he makes it work. He does this. He does all of this without getting bitten once, Luke. How unbelievable is that? Well, he also he he doesn't look like that strong of a guy. He looks pretty small. Like if you know what I look like, like he looks like he has my body type, and nobody he, knows what you look like. He easily lifts <laughs> up. He oh easily God. lifts up the lawnmower. This is kind of a dinky lawnmower, man. This isn't like this isn't like some John Deere like $1500 super powered lawnmower bag equipped piece of equipment. This is like some dinky ass metal shit that was probably made in like 1910. Yeah, but there's even made out of tin. It's made out of tin. There's a scene where he's laying on his back and he has the handle of the lawnmower against his chest and he's holding it straight up in the air with a body on top of it. That would like crush your ribs. No, man. Adrenaline. (laughs) Plus, it's not a whole body. It was just like half of it. Okay. Well, half of a dude is still a lot. It, but it's half. (laughs) It's half. And think all the blood is gone. Like that's the that's the most, that's the heaviest part right there. All the liquid is drained out at this point. I guess. And the intestines. They're wandering the, around and somewhere. The, and all those innards are somewhere else. Yeah. They've, <laughs> they've adopted a life of their own. Um, which also gets shredded in the lawnmower. What's incredible is that with the amount of blood that was dumped during the entire party getting destroyed by a lawnmower 
there is still only a moderate amount of limbs and blood left at the at the end. Like there should have been floor wall to wall floor covered with bodies and Lionel should have just been completely soaked. Yeah, yeah. there there is a lack of continuity with the, the with the soaking of clothes. I really wish they just went all in and just made him like sopping, dripping with this shit, <laughs> like to the point where he just is wet the rest of the film, which is like 10 minutes at this point. You should watch the movie I referenced earlier, Olaf Ittenbach's No Reason with Timothy Baum in it, um, who plays Lionel. That movie, the protagonist is this woman who is naked pretty much the entire movie. And early in the movie, she gets soaked in blood and she's pretty much soaked to the rest of the movie. It's uh, it's pretty brutal to watch. So yeah, God's momzilla zombie uh, comes out of the floor, chases Lionel and his uh, girlfriend upstairs. They're, they're dating at this point. And uh, they end up on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah as the house is burning down <laughs> yeah this big dragon lady fits on that roof even as the house burns and she's talking to lionel she's regained sentience do you think she ever lost it hmm. maybe she's definitely like ascended at this point right like you know she was human and then she kind of decayed into a zombie and then animal <laughs> I was kind of thinking that she wasn't sentient, but she was parroting things. Like these were just phrases that her mind remembered. Like come to mommy. Yeah. I don't know. That's normally under circumstances. That's kind of a good thing. And <laughs> she never treated him nicely in, in the brief amount of time that we saw her alive. No, but she did. She was very possessive over him. Yeah, she was possessive. Regardless, uh, we are treated to what is possibly uh, one of the most unexpected scenes in a zombie film where Lionel, due to the fact that he is on a fucking burning roof that's collapsing, uh, rolls down into the zombie mom whose womb then opens up as a giant sideways maw and consumes him. <laughs> it's got to be one of the weirdest visuals in a horror movie. <laughs> like just just if 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 a listener has never seen this movie and they just listen to that explanation, they probably think we're like on shrooms. Yes. <laughs> All right, so is there anything else you want to discuss before we wrap this up? I guess we should talk about how this movie wraps up, right? So um, we neglected to mention it, but at the beginning of this film, uh, Lionel was actually given like a pendant, like a magical pendant, the shape pseudo, like it's kind of like in a shape of a pseudo cross. Yeah, they um, said that the it, it, was, it was possessed by the power of the white light. Yes. Just just vague enough to not think about it too much. <laughs> it does a lot of different things for him during the course of the movie. It, at one point, it spins around on its own and points towards something he needs. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh wait, that was the box with the secret about his family. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, he uses this pendant to cut his way out of uh, his mom's womb, which of course is uh, accompanied by the dumping of so much blood <laughs> as the, the mom kind of just falls apart and eventually through the roof of the house where she kind of explodes like in the fire. <laughs> yeah. So Lionel and his girlfriend are walking home. Wait, not walking home. Walking away from the scene is firefighters and paramedics and police officers show up to a burning house and he doesn't bother explaining himself. He just kind of walks off into the night. Roll credits. Yes. We All see good. The baby, well, we see the baby crying in the house as it burns down. Yeah. But I otherwise... Think maybe they, I think they, made, they left that scene in in case they ever wanted to do a sequel. Maybe. But no, all all ends well for our hero heroes, I guess. Well, I mean, except he lost the house, and you know, all. Oh, well, he was gonna si- he was gonna sign that away anyway. He didn't have to. Yeah. He oh, apparently the uncle, the uncle died. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, he inherited a good amount of money. Oh, he was a real. That was actually one of the cooler zombie designs. Was the uncle? There's an okay. ongoing joke through the movie where he just gets kicked in the balls right but then uh as a zombie he has like his entire spire spinal column like disconnected from his body and he's like this really awkwardly shaped monstrosity it's pretty cool yeah even though we don't see him that much no uh paquita ends up using his spinal column as a as a handle to swing him around and then bust his head bust his head open in an explosion anyway so yeah all all ends well for our heroes um you want to give final thoughts and a rating out of four so uh this is just a really easy four star there's a very there's a very good reason that this film has the reputation it do uh, and if you haven't okay so i'm not even a fan of horror comedy but this, so to me this is the best one because i actually like it and it's also like luke has said multiple times uh during this recording that um it, it's just so well made so well put together it isn't just like the ridiculous amounts of special practical special effects that make this film good it's the way everything is put together sure you know maybe the continuity is 100 percent, but it's all there it, the fact that this movie doesn't take itself ultra seriously is probably to uh, a great advantage because I can't imagine trying to take a movie seriously where a giant rat monkey is the cause of a, you know, global pandemic. Oh God, that is what happened in real life, isn't it? <laughs> the, the, Sumatra, the Sumatran rat monkey caused COVID. <laughs> this, Fucking wet markets. They're so that, irresponsible. <laughs> that should have become a meme. Just the rat monkey, and it could say, I caused COVID. Oh, gosh. You know the, the stickers on gas pumps with Joe Biden that say, I did that? Oh, rat God. monkey. Oh, God. Oh, fuck. I'm, I don't see those anymore. What is there to add here, man? It's four-star film. This like If, if you're going to watch like five films that we have covered ever this is probably in the top five you could actually recommend this to normies 
normal people can watch this film and enjoy it. You yeah, typically do not need a trigger warning before watching this film. You can watch this with family. There's no awkward sex scenes. Well, aside from the zombies. All right, that's a little awkward. Yeah. Maybe don't watch this with your family. But no, I it as as gory and disgusting and over the top and violent as this movie is, you're right that it's all palatable. It's not offensive. I can see why the um the British board, the British film board watched it and like was not offended by it and did not cut it because it's it's just not the tone is the tone, the realism, it all leads to this being very comedic. And I think it really works. Um, I know I've critiqued some elements of it. I do find Lionel to be like an annoying character that I can't really identify with. But I think it's wonderfully acted. It's wonderfully constructed and edited. The, the score is great. The special effects are beyond belief. Um, probably one of the best practical effects uh films of all time um four stars so that's it for dead alive um we need to consult the magic eight ball and see what our next theme is going to be we're finally done with elections yes so let's shake it up and please give me a good one (laughs) all right here we go All right. Our three categories are movies involving insects, arachnids, or even isopods. Really just creepy crawly shit. Unnatural disasters. So uh, global disaster events that may not exactly be natural. Bonus points if you pick something that normally does not exist, like, say, flaming hail. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And then the third option is on the spectrum. So like deep spectrum. Movies where autism plays a role or perhaps a character, a significant character is autistic. Probably portrayed in a very offensive light. I feel like that's not hard for the types of films we normally watch. Do they have to be diagnosed as autistic in the movie? Oh, or no. Can... We we will armchair diagnose our asses off. Okay. It's between, <laughs> it's between that and insects. Um, you know what? Let's go with insects because I have, I have the first movie in mind that now, I know I want to do. This is important. There actually has to be insects or arachnids or isopods or some kind of actual creepy crawlies in the film. You can't just pick like some sort of giallo with an animal title that has nothing to do with those things. That's not going to fly. Nope. Get it. Okay. So next week, our first insect movie is going to be 1990s, The Age of Insects. (laughs) So quick. 
that's because this is a movie that I've been wanting to do since I first saw it. It's um, a very bizarre shot on video movie from 1990. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for you to see it and to talk about it. This is a pretty obscure one. So listeners, um, you should go check it out for sure. And while we're here, do you want to get rid of one of the other categories? No, they're fine. Okay. Yeah. All right. So everyone check out 1990s The Age of Insects and join us next week. Until then, you can follow us on Instagram at video.store.nightmares where I post everything we do. Leland, any last words? Thank you for your continued support. Thank you, everybody. And we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Thank you.